You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. What's good with you today, Sir Ethan? Well, yeah, I'm going to say something. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Oh. You look great today. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. That is very the kind. The colors are like super excellent. Yeah. Thank you. That's... Yeah. It just everything, the coordination, it's really good. Like even the shoes. Oh, thank you. Even like the, the, like the trim around the bottom of the shoes because it has that kind of cream note yeah. to it and the hoodie is like a cream color. It just looks really good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Also a massively bold choice. Do a hoodie and shorts. Yeah. Walk me know? through that. What? Um, <laughs> I've never done that. I do not know my own ways. Uh, and to quote, uh, to quote the apostle in Romans seven, I know not why I do the things I do. Sometimes you just get warm on your calves. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but I'm chilly up here. Well, I mean, that's probably actually more realistic. Is it like I get very cold easily? Hmm recording day as of this moment. Wow. Is there any other moment other than as of this moment? As we are recording this, it's cool. The weather is cool for a June day. And I tend to get cold easily. Okay. And it's, you know, it's like my arm areas. That's like where I'm... So I'm more apt in such a situation as that where it's like, oh, it's nice out. It's like it would be short t-shirt weather normally, but like, ah, I might get chilly. Wear the shorts, but do the hoodie. Mm. It also reminds me of like early mornings at camps or something like out camping i don't know oh that's interesting it makes me think of camping for some reason okay i don't know it's a camping morning i don't know (laughs) also i don't describe this one night i was in dc visiting a friend and we were walking to a restaurant and you had all these guys who looked like they were law students at like georgetown yeah and they were wearing like pastel colored shorts oh but then they had like button-ups tucked into the shorts. The cliche. Yeah, that yeah. look. And it's like, I don't necessarily want to do that, but I like the shorts and the hoodie. Yeah. So okay. no one asked for this long fashion explanation <laughs> for me. It's just, I'm wearing a hoodie and shorts today because yeah. weather. It works. If it didn't work, it would still work because the colors are just on point. Yeah, see, look at that. We're in that... Uh, Excellent cream-colored hoodie that you designed oh, for us. Excellent. Probably my favorite piece of apparel wow. that uh, we have. And one of just my favorite in my closet just that I own. It's mm-hmm. excellent. Thanks. So, yeah, and I like... Your hat. Yeah. It is one of my... I um, I eventually just decided to... Because I have a bunch, and I would go through a bunch. But I'm like, you know what? I just kind of want a standard. I want that, like, icon piece that I yeah. always go to. And I found this. Just so that you can know, you're like like Steve Jobs, like with his, his it, black turtleneck. Yeah, it kind of is exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. So that's happening. And then later this week, it'll warm up super... Yeah. As it has been. It's been hot. It's been hot. Yeah, I could do without that. Got into the swimming pool for the first time this past Sunday. That was nice. Mm. Went for a swim. Abigail took my daughters into the pool. Abigail loved it. Anna hated it. Oh, no. She was out of there so fast. (laughs) We were really trying to get her to like it. Like, come on, it's a pool. It's Uh, fun. You like baths, but no, not at all the same. So, anyway. Yeah, that really has nothing to do with... Anything related to what we're talking about today? It does not. As you can tell, as always, by the title of the episode, you know, sometimes I kind of wonder, because I know what we're talking about yeah. and the banter going in. If it's been like a long time between recording and like the release, I may be like, oh yeah, I forgot that we had bantered about right, that. Right, right, right. I always kind of wonder what it's like to pull up an episode if you're a regular listener and be like, oh, here's the topic. And if you read the show notes and then you get to the banter and you're like, what in the world? What is happening? Yeah, like... <laughs> This has nothing to do with the topic and title at hand. This is a variety show? <laughs> That's what we need to do, like, a separate segment where, like, it has its own little musical cue at the beginning, and then it's, like, the first, you know, three to five minutes of banter, and then yeah. we transition the into transition the sounds. episode, which, before we begin, I know, I'm sorry, I'm really prolonging this. 
for reasons that I don't understand. But do you listen to podcasts where they will divide the segments based on an audio cue? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Frequently. Because I don't listen to a ton of podcasts anymore. I used to be binge podcaster. Like, mm-hmm. it's all I listen to. Now I mix it with Audible audiobooks, and then I'll, like, throw in podcasts here and there. But one of my favorites is called Life and Books and Everything. Mm-hmm. And it's the same audio cue, but they divide it, like, into segments. So, like, you'll get this audio cue at, like, three or four different spots throughout yeah, the episode. Yeah. And I actually find that helpful for some reason. I don't know why. It's just yeah. like, oh, that's a nice touch. It's something kind of smooth and instinctual. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of says something to your brain without having to actually Yes, because it. typically it's a topic switch or something like that. And right. anyway, that's just the interesting dynamics of the podcast world. Mm. Here we are. Mm. Well, outside of the podcast world, yeah. <laughs> where you subject your ear holes to the listening of... Sometimes it's just people monologue. Some of my favorite podcasts are monologues. Like, monologue, like it's one guy. Actually, same. At my favorite YouTube channel by far is uh, Truth Unites with Dr. Gavin Ortland, And it's mostly the bulk of the episode just him talking. Huh. And I love it. But outside of things like that, <laughs> there are few venues left in the Western world where people sit in a room and do nothing but listen to a person monologue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially for lengthy periods of time. You know, like, we'll watch a comedian for as long as they can make us laugh. You know what I mean? We might listen to a 20-minute TED Talk if we're really interested in the topic at hand. <laughs> we might even endure a long political stump speech every two or four years if we really believe mm. in the candidate. Possibly. I, maybe. I would rather eat sand. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least they're on. Oh, I, I understand entirely. <laughs> But aside from those examples, really hard for me to think of many places where people would congregate on a regular, say, weekly basis to simply sit and listen to one person talk. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not something we do anymore. But of course, as it turns out, the church happens to be one of those yeah, places. In case you put those two together. Yeah, you're like, well, wait a minute. Is I go to, if I go to church on the weekends, isn't that what happens? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Because in the church, we have that happening. But the thing is, when we come to that particular block of time, it's not normally called a talk or a speech. Some places, depending on where you are, they might call it a talk, a talk or something like yeah, that. Maybe. But historically and most frequently, that particular block of time is called a sermon or a message. Mm. And the act of delivering it is called preaching. Yeah. In case you all were wondering, you're like, yeah. I knew all of that already. Thank you for pointing out the obvious. But one question we may not think to ask is, what exactly is preaching? Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Besides like, oh, it's when you give the sermon. Well, what <laughs> what is giving a sermon, you know? And how is all of this distinct from other forms of communication? Because it is distinct, yeah. in case you are wondering. I would think so. And that's why I'm actually a fan of distinct terminology for it. Okay. That's not a hill I, I would die on right. by any stretch, but just a personal little thing for me. So how do we answer that question? Well, you're at the right podcast. Finger snaps, finger guns, if you, right. wanna, if you wanna know more about that. So there's an author named Jeremy Kimball uh, I found helpful on this topic. And he says that preaching is the public unfolding and proclamation of the truth of God's word. It is interpreting, explaining, applying, and exulting with a U, like rejoicing, Mm. over that word in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we could probably, to use a preacher's favorite term, unpack. (laughs) You like that? I actually hate using that word. And I hate myself when I find myself using it. (laughs) But we could like pick apart that definition and talk about all kinds of different aspects of that. Because I think it's a really helpful and uh, rather robust definition for how short it is. Okay. But because like, you know, it's like it's a public unfolding and it's a proclamation. There's interpretation. There's application. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. My mind is swimming with questions. But none of them are essential. (laughs) Just just curious things. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so, you know, I said we don't have time to like dig into every detail of that. But when we look at that in its essence, 
I think we could say that true preaching is rooted in the scriptures. Mm. So it's not just ideas floating in the preacher's mind. Appreciate both of those yeah, distinctions. Yeah, that, that is. Oh, I could go off on a diatribe <laughs> right now about, it's like that. Yeah. I'm, all I'm going to say is that when you take a verse or passage of scripture, and then that's just a springboard into something completely mm. unrelated to what the text says. Oh, whoa. And you're just out saying your own thing. It takes a lot to really get me riled up, honestly, but that does the trick. Mm. Anyway. So true preaching is rooted in the scriptures and it requires public proclamation. Okay. So if we would take, say, the terminology we find in a place like 1 Peter chapter 4, to preach is to speak as if you are speaking the very oracles of God, which means preaching is central to the worship of God's mm. people. It suddenly feels a lot scarier oh, yes. in a way. <laughs> Like the weight of that. That's that's fair. I can yeah. I can feel that myself. Remind me, remind me to never get ordained. Really, because that. Going to my office like, hey, I'd like to be ordained. I'm like, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember this First definition? Do you remember the word oracle? <laughs> oh man, it's a lot. Do you remember having to accurately preach the sacred lore, <laughs> as uh, Gregory the Great would uh, say it? Oh yeah, you have that way of talking about it. Here's how Paul frames the act of preaching mm. to Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. And to say I love this or I, like, I find this beautiful would misconstrue how I approach this. This is a passage that does unnerve me uh -huh. Uh -huh. when I read it. Okay. Because he says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, hey, you, you ought to preach. It's like in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, judge of the living and the dead, yeah. who will come back in glory and to usher in a kingdom whose reign will have no end. Like, oh, mm. casual. Yeah, exactly. Because I, because you know, I, uh, I know you and you do, yes. in fact, you preach. <laughs> You do this I thing. am known to do that from time <laughs> to time. Um, and just like as you've described this, as we even see it in that verse, the role and the relationship to the participants, I'm just thinking like, man, that feels like a real weight. I would be incredibly keen to not shoulder. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, like, does that keep you up at night? Uh, so I think you could talk about this in such a way that it would easily give the impression like, my vocation is more important than other Christian <laughs> vocations because that has happened historically. I see. Yeah. And I don't want to give that impression. I do think to your point that yes, it does give me pause mm, and it does it. put me in a different frame of mind when I remember I'm not just getting up here to be eloquent or to try and persuade people that I'm right or whatever the case may be. Mm. The act of preaching is really, I heard, I can't remember who, but someone put it like this is like, who do people hear when they hear you preach? You or God? And so it's like, <laughs> that really, you know... Put some weight on it and like, and to be faithful to God's word, like to be truthful with yeah. it, to do exactly like what he said there, to reprove and rebuke and exhort with patience. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. And there's a reason that a guy like James says, not all of you should become teachers because yeah, exactly. you will be judged more strictly because... Yeah, that was enough for me, that verse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because on the preacher's end, and I, I don't want to talk about this for a long time, I actually want to talk more about hearing, because sure, that is sure, what the topic sure. is. But to be fair, and just to kind of set the context for it, I think there's this misunderstanding of even that verse. It says, you know, 
teachers and preachers, pastors will be judged more strictly. Really? You have the author of Hebrews saying, you know, follow your leaders, knowing that they are the ones who will give an account for your souls. You got all that going on. And there's this idea, I think, that people hold in their heads that, and I've heard it articulated like this, that pastors, preachers, teachers will be held to a higher standard. Right. And in reality, if you actually look at the wording itself and think about this, we're held to the same standard that all Christians are. It's just that we're held to that same standard with more firmness, if that makes sense. So like, for example, if as a pastor, let's say I am known, like it's like every single week I fly off the handle at you. (sighs) I just get like fed up, right? No Christian should do that. Agreed? Yeah. Like that's a, you know, yep, yep, do yep. not uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger. The anger of man mm-hmm. does not produce righteousness of God. We could go on and on. We're all held to that same standard, okay? Now, as a Christian working in another place, that's still unacceptable, but like your job may not necessarily be in jeopardy per se because of that, right? right? As a pastor, that's like, poof, nope, that's, that's according to Paul, that's something that disqualifies you. Whoa. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. it's just, I heard someone, another pastor joke about it. It's like, we're all held to the same standard. It's just that pastors are expected to actually, you yeah. know, <laughs> conform to it. So you do have all that going on and you are supposed to watch your way in your life, I think. Again, all Christians are supposed to watch it carefully and we're all going to the same standard, but it's like pastors have the added thing of we are not only supposed to live that way, but like we're supposed to teach it and model it. Like we're supposed to be the ones who give an example of it. And we're in a unique position where, again, as the author of Hebrews says, we are the ones who give an account (laughs) for your souls. Not in the sense that like you won't be held individually accountable for your own choices and your faith, but like there's Mm -hmm. a sense in which there's an added level of accountability over the church for a pastor. Yeah. So if you really understand what's going on, you should feel a weight. You should not take that casually. Exactly. Like, like any pastor is like, oh, yeah. Like, I don't think you understand what it yeah. is you've signed up for. So, yeah, all that aside, when it comes to actually sitting in the service, and um, one of the things I love about having multiple preachers at a church like ours is that I get to sit in yeah. in the service regularly. So I'm saying this to myself, too. Okay, so I'm not, this again, this is not an example of me just saying, you guys need to listen to, to me. Like, I'm included in this. When it comes to sitting in the service, we ought to receive the preaching of the word with humility and teachability, right? And that doesn't mean that we shut down our brains or believe everything we hear because the preacher said so. <laughs> there are some teachers, like, why not just have a pope at that point then? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, okay, um, yeah. What this means is that we listen with an ear to hear God speak, yeah. right? We're like the Bereans in Acts 17:11, who received the word with eagerness and examined the scripture for themselves to see if those things were true. Like, we should be like that. I do think it is not good for Christians to come into a sermon with an overly critical approach to it. And what I mean by that is like, you can disagree. Like if you hear something, you're like, well, wait, that doesn't square up with the scripture. Right. That's one thing. Yeah. But if you're like point listening to the sermon, and this is a danger for like, I'm in seminary right now. So like doing all these things. If I listen to the sermon, I'm like, oh, this guy's an idiot. Like, you know, this is stupid. Like, oh, that's clearly wrong. That's stupid. Like, that's not good because I should be under the preaching of the word in a posture of humility, because ultimately what I'm trying to listen for is not the preacher per se. It's he is, again, heralding the oracles of God. Mm. So a surefire way to come away from a sermon feeling as if you've not heard the Lord speak or you've not learned anything is to assume there's nothing new for you to hear or learn. Mm. Like if you just assume that, like, oh yeah, I read this passage yesterday. So like, I got it. Like, well, that's a great way to assure you won't hear something new or receive what the Lord would say to you through that passage. To paraphrase Augustine, our favorite church father, we serve a God who can make even that which is ever ancient into something that is ever new. So God can speak in fresh ways to us, even through a passage we've heard a thousand times before. Mm. 
That's you know, quite beautiful. Of course he said something like that. Yes, yes, classic Augustine, you know, just saying the, the most beautiful things. So when we sit under preaching, we also ought to view it not as separate from our praise and worship, but rather as a continuation of it. And I do think there is this tendency in modern evangelicalism to separate those. Like, yeah. worship is what we do when we sing, and then the sermon is something different. Hmm. And in reality, our hearts ought to be worshiping and exulting, rejoicing, and responding worshipfully to God as we hear him speak his words of truth to us from the scripture. Like, that should be just as much a part of worship as the whole service. Like, really everything in the church gathering from the opening call to worship to the final benediction is supposed to be worship, like all of it. It's like a hard bridge to repair. It is, it is, which really makes me kind of sad. But, you know, we're out here working on it. And here's a fun application question to ponder. Okay. And it really is just a question to ponder among ourselves, okay? Given that hearing a sermon is part of our worship just as much as the singing and praying is, how do we view the taking of notes during a message, for example? Okay, okay, go on. Yeah, so let me just out of the gate say, I am not here to say it's wrong to take notes during the sermon, okay? Not saying that. I'm only asking us to consider whether taking notes helps us listen more worshipfully or whether it causes us to treat the sermon more like a lecture Mm -hmm. or a distinct different element of the worship service as opposed to hearing the oracles of God and worshiping. Because for me personally, I took notes for many, many years, like basically my whole Christian life. (laughs) And what I found is my mind goes to lecture slash information mode when I take notes. Mm -hmm. Like that's how my brain works. So I'm not worshiping. Yes, you can worship and take notes when you're like sitting in a classroom. But what I mean is like, I don't have as a worshipful posture. Like I'm out of the mode of I'm here to listen to God speak. Right. And more like I'm trying to like, okay, how am I parsing all these arguments together in my head? Like it just takes me to a different space. Right. So I stopped taking notes during sermons three or four years ago. Now, some folks are just as engaged in worshiping when they do take notes. Like that is part of something that helps them focus. It helps them open their ears to hear the word. And so it's not a problem for them. All I'm asking our listeners and and ourselves included to take stock of is thinking about how note-taking may or may not affect us. Because I don't even think it's something we just don't even think about. It's something that crosses our brain. So it may be that you think about it and you're like, oh, no, 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 it's not as big a deal. Or you may realize, no, 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 this actually is something that divides the sermon as something distinct from worship. It transforms the way you engage. Right, exactly, exactly. So it's just something worth thinking about. And taken all together, like I said earlier, every moment of the corporate gathering of the church is meant to foster our worship to God. The encouragement of being with other believers, the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, to quote Paul in Ephesians 5, the shared prayers of confession, petition, thanksgiving, the taking of the bread and the cup and communion, the administration of baptism when that happens in a service, and yes, even hearing the word of God in preaching is meant to be part of worship. So when we congregate with our churches this weekend, the hope is that our hearts will be lifted up each moment to the one who made us for himself, to quote Augustine again. Yeah. Always got to rope him back in. If you want to also quote Jesus in the uh, parable of the sower, the hope is that we would have good and noble hearts to hear and receive God's words so that we can rejoice in what we hear and respond appropriately, because that's another <laughs> piece of this. Yeah. So transformation through the renewal of the mind. There you have it. Bada bing, bada boom. Some food for thought on your commute or exercise or whatever you're doing as you listen to this. But thank you for listening to us for, you know, doing that thing where we don't listen to things except when we do. Yeah. It was all about listening. Thank you. Thank you for hearing us. And uh, if you found this helpful and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in the Apple Podcast platform, we'd love that. That would be an encouragement to us. It would, though. It would. And and it would be... uh, 
you know, an act of, of service. Uh, yeah, like that. that, that it, it, so I, I always love how at the podcast we got to, you know, it's like you got to do the sales pitch. Like, sure. can you leave us an honest five-star review? That's funny. And if you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact with us on social media. Thank you as always for listening and lending us your ears. We'll catch you next time.